Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Watchdogs Bark. My name is Drew. I am your host, and I consider myself a watchdog. <laughs> In my last episode, I had a couple people say I was very dramatic. I tend to do that occasionally. It comes from uh, 35 years in another industry. There's a little hint. All right. This is episode 26. That's right. 25 down. At least 25 to go. Hopefully 2,500 or more. Uh, I really am loving doing this. I'm, I'm having a great time and I hope you're having a good time listening to me. And believe me, last episode's not going to be the craziest it's ever been. Because <laughs> uh, I tend to get really riled up about some things and be really goofy about others. So uh, come along for the ride, will you? All right. This administration keeps saying that things are no big deal. Eh, no big deal. It's things like, you know, the Afghanistan withdrawal. The 13 lives lost, you know, Chinese spy balloon floating over our country for a week. No big deal. No, but where the virus comes from, no big deal. Except for COVID and Donald Trump. Then everything's, oh my gosh, the biggest deal ever. And Donald Trump is pure evil. And he is Satan and Hitler incarnate combined. That's what is a big deal according to the media. By the way, I have more information about Afghanistan, so stick around for that. Also, um, Gen Z, what the heck are they doing? Uh, again, I'm still trying to figure out this generation. It seems like they aren't willing to work. Uh, well, and I, I say they, I'm not going to generalize. I know there are some amazing Gen Z people. I encounter them every single day. And I know that they're really good people out there and that they were raised correctly. Basically, I think it comes down to the way these kids are raised. Are they taught morals and ethics and standards or are they not? Are they taught to be respectful of adults or are they not? Okay, more information about that. Also, the Bob Lee stabbing in San Francisco is a lot more than we thought it was. Then, um, let's see, I've got so much information, I want to get to all of it, but I don't have time because I'm only doing these 30-minute episodes. So, two more things. Uh, the recent national security leaks that were revealed reveal some very interesting things about countries that were our allies and how they're no longer our allies. So... I'll expand on that a little more. And then Dylan Mulvaney, OMG. Companies are being held accountable by what's called ESG, and they are making decisions based on CEI. Don't know what those are? <gasps> Stick around and I'll tell you. Okay, according to this, this uh, administration, everything is no big deal. I mean, Afghanistan withdrawal, loss of 13 lives, abandonment of one of the largest military bases in the world. No big deal. No big deal. Uh, this Chinese balloon spying over our country. And by the way, now we know that that Chinese spy balloon had very sophisticated equipment on it. 
and was sending information back live to Beijing. And it was maneuverable. In fact, it did figure eights over certain military bases. It specifically went on a pattern that went over five of our military bases in our country. But the Biden administration, it's no big deal. They didn't gather anything special or anything we didn't want them to know. I'm sorry, I don't believe that. Okay, I want to talk a little bit more about Afghanistan. Okay, and there's more details. Uh, The Democrats basically want to blame Trump for what happened in Afghanistan. They said, and Joe Biden has said, that the the plan that Donald Trump made with the Taliban left Joe Biden and this administration with really no choice but to pull out completely. And there's really no way that this kind of disaster that happened could have been avoided. There's, there's really no way. No president would have been able to um, stop the war and pull out of Afghanistan without this kind of catastrophe. Well, let me tell you something. Donald Trump worked with the Taliban and withdrew all but 2,500 soldiers. That was what was predicted by security officials and military officials. That would be the minimum that would be necessary to run the Bagram Air Base as an intelligence base. And you need to understand, for the last 18 months before that base was closed, there were no deaths. And the reason why is I heard in an interview that Donald Trump called the leader of the Taliban, Abdul, he calls him, directly. And the media went nuts. How dare you call our enemy? You know, how dare you do that? And Donald Trump said, well, that's who's killing our soldiers. So you go to the source. So basically what Trump said in this interview, he said that, Abdul, you have to quit killing American soldiers. And then Abdul asked Donald Trump, why have you sent me a picture of my home that I'm living in right now? And Donald Trump said, well, you'll have to figure that out for yourself. Well, guess what? After that time, no U.S. soldiers were killed in Afghanistan because Donald Trump made that threat to Abdul that if he killed anymore, uh, that house that's on that picture, we know where you live. That's basically what Donald Trump was saying. We know where you live. And I guess he probably was saying, we'll, we'll take it out. So Donald Trump was very brazen and bold with the way he ran. And a lot of people thought it was not presidential. But what it was, was the same thing that Ronald Reagan felt, peace through strength. Donald Trump understood that. Ronald Reagan understood that. This administration definitely does not understand that at all, period. And just to get you a, give you an idea of what Joe Biden gave up in Afghanistan, and I know I've given you a little bit of detail, but let me give you the full detail on the Bagram Air Base. The Bagram Air Base can easily 
handle 2,500. That's the minimum it's necessary to run the base. Okay, I think there were as many as 10,000, 20,000 there at one time, but I don't know exactly, but it's basically a forward intelligence air base. As a matter of fact, it was one of the most fortified and secure air bases in the entire world. It was also one of the biggest air bases in the entire world. It had a 10,000 foot runways, actually two of them, two 10,000 foot runways. Now, if you do the math, 5,280 is a mile. So that's almost two miles long. That's long enough runway to land any aircraft flown all over the world. Anything, even the Concorde at uh, coming down at the speed it did could land on that runway. So it was very effective. And it also was 100 miles from where China was making their nuclear weapons. So it was not only an air base to monitor everything that was going on in the Middle East, and we did. And if something, up, an uprising happened, we just sent out drones, took it out and took care of it. But also, we were paying close attention to what China was doing a hundred miles away from the Bagram Air Base. Now, we don't have that ability. The closest we can get, I think, is Saudi Arabia base, maybe Pakistan. But the one in Afghanistan was specifically designed to be there to monitor not only the Middle East, but China. So the way we pulled out of Afghanistan was the most idiotic, shameful, and cowardly ways to pull out of a military base and and a war in a country where we had developed thousands and even hundreds of thousands of friendships and relationships with people that helped us. And we left a lot of people there. There's still over a thousand Americans in Afghanistan that were not able to be evacuated. And part of the reason is because they have family there and, and you know, they've set down roots and, and uh, you know, have Afghan uh, relatives. But those that wanted to get out, all of them were not able to. And like I said, when they brought those soldiers home and they were unloading that C-130, my blood was boiling because after every single casket came off that C-130, Joe Biden checked his watch. Like, how much longer is this going to take? I have other things to do. How much longer is this going to take? Oh my gosh, another casket? How much longer is this going to take? That's basically the attitude I felt when Joe Biden looked at his watch after every single soldier. And their casket was moved from the C-130 to the vans that were going to distribute their caskets to different funerals around the country where they would be mourned by their loved ones. And Joe Biden, no big deal. Well, how much longer is this going to take? I'm just going to keep looking at my watch. Holy cow. And then listen to John Kirby as he talks about that he didn't really see chaos. This, this wasn't chaotic to him. Listen to this. 
for all this talk of chaos, I just didn't see it, not from my perch. At one point during the evacuation, there was an aircraft taking off full of people, Americans and Afghans alike, every 48 minutes, and not one single mission was missed. So I'm sorry, I just won't buy the whole argument of chaos. Okay, so John Kirby doesn't buy the argument that it was chaos. Even though we watched on television, on every channel possible, people running around the plane and falling off the plane as it took off, that's not chaos, John? Then what is? And now listen to James Rosen ask him a question. And this is exactly the question I would have asked uh, about how Joe Biden was so helpless when he came in. Uh, One president is not tied to what the previous president did. He can make new decisions. The depiction of the commander in chief that you present or this commander in chief is of a figure almost helpless and and shaped and buffeted by individuals and forces uh, and entities that are beyond his control when he had every option to increase the troop size there during his eight months in office. He had every option to uh, intensify attacks on the 5,000 Taliban fighters and so on. So uh, I I just don't understand why you're willing to depict uh, your boss, the commander-in-chief, as so helpless in this instance. Well, first of all, Joe Biden is helpless. Uh, He's an imbecile and thinks in a way that is not rational most of the time. The the funny thing is Joe Biden's supposed to be a foreign policy expert. That's why uh, Barack Obama brought him on as the vice president. He was supposedly a foreign policy expert. And yet, if you listen to Robert Gaines, he will say that Joe Biden has never made a right decision period when it came to foreign policy. You have to work hard to get everything wrong. What is the expression? Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Well, Joe Biden's never been right about foreign policy. So so just hearing John Kirby defend how the president pulled out of Afghanistan and how he's proud of that and how he didn't see chaos just makes my blood boil. I don't know about you guys, but if you agree or disagree, you can write me, Drew, at thewatchdogsbark.com. All right. I am really trying to figure out Gen Z, and I can't. Now they want to institute what's called bare minimum Mondays and quiet quitting. So bare minimum Mondays means, oh, they've had such an exhausting weekend off that they have to slowly go back into work on Monday and not work a full day because that would be just tedious and so much effort. And then they're quiet quitting, which means they're doing the bare minimum always, meaning that they're just barely doing enough to call it a job to get paid. I don't understand this. So, by the way, because of this moronic activity from the Gen Zers, companies are now going back and hiring ex-gen and baby boomers again because they're raised with strong work ethics. 
and weren't raised with participation medals and no grades. And when they came, uh, <clears throat> me, when I came home from school in trouble and my father asked why I was in trouble, he punished me as well and said, well, you shouldn't have done that. And I took a trip to the woodshed. I still remember one specific time me and a friend decided we were going to skip school. And so we weren't very smart because we were very young. And we decided to play on a dirt pile right across the street from where we lived. And we were having the grand old time. We weren't in school and, you know, having a fun time. And my dad passed the dirt pile and I did, we ducked really quickly. And I had to look and see if I had escaped the eagle eyes of my father. And I looked up over the dirt pile and right as my head went up over the dirt pile, the brake lights came on in the truck he was driving and then the reverse lights came on and oh my gads i tried to lie my way out of it and that got me even more wax on my bare butt but that's what how we were raised we were raised to respect authority to have hard work ethic to show up early and to do more than we're expected and then sometimes when we have to stay late, we stay late. Sometimes we have to work overtime, we work overtime. That was just part of the deal. I don't understand this generation just doing the bare minimum to get by. Let me give a word of advice to young kids right now. If you're part of the Gen Zers, or I guess it's Alpha, and believe me, if this new generation is called the Alpha generation, uh, that will be a really misnamed generation. Uh, maybe we should call them the beta generation. Anyway, I have a word of advice for young kids right now. Do you want to know how you can get ahead faster than anyone? Show up early, do more than you're expected, and sometimes when you have to stay late, don't gripe about it. Don't walk out right at five o'clock when that clock strikes five. And occasionally volunteer to do crappy work. If you do this and start developing really good work ethic habits like this, you will skyrocket to the top of any company you're working at because people on the top look for people that they can depend on, that they can always depend on. And if you can be that type of person and be dependable no matter what, you my friends, will go very far in the work industry. That's just my word of advice for Gen Zers who hopefully have a little bit of ambition because so far I'm seeing a majority don't. Okay, now let's talk about the recent national security leaks. At first, when I first heard this, that this 21-year-old kid, and again, I don't ever reveal names because I believe that's a way of glorifying. And I believe a lot of people that like publicity do it for that reason. So I'm not going to tell you the name of the individual, but you all know who I'm talking about. And when this first came out about the security leaks and, and how he did that, I immediately thought, great, throw him in prison, throw away the key, done. But some of the stuff he's revealed is very important for us to know 
So it's kind of like he was uh, Edward Snowden kind of leaker. And I thought, oh my goodness. So now what do I think? I think that some of the stuff that he revealed, our government was trying to hide from us and that's not good. But then again, I have known people that have worked in the intelligence agency. And when you finally get that security clearance and you go through the uh, months of background checks and $10,000, I think, per person is what those background checks cost because they go and try and dig up anything. When you finally get that security clearance, you also have a great deal of responsibility not to reveal anything you're not allowed to. Even though he may have decided that this is something that the, the country needs to know about. He, this is something that everyone, you know, they've been lying and, and they're not telling the truth about all this. That was not his right to reveal it in the way he did. He should have gone up the chain of command and had it revealed in a different way. Doing it the way he did on this chat board, uh, Discord, with a bunch of other gamers who idolized him. They called it Thug Shaker Central. <laughs> Goodness gracious. So they thought they were thugs, you know, and, and they were all revealing this information. But the problem is thousands of people probably saw this information on that app, Discord. And also, this probably put many people in jeopardy of losing their lives or at least being discovered in their jobs. So I think this has caused a lot of problems. And again, he did not have the authority nor the right to break his confidentiality agreement that he had signed. And he deserves to go to jail. He really does. Some of the stuff that was revealed, I want to talk to you about, like number one, Egypt. We give over a billion dollars to Egypt in financial aid and in weapons and ammunition. And now it was revealed that Egypt is giving weapons to Russia in the Ukrainian-Russian conflict. So we lost that ally. Then recently, uh, Emmanuel Macron met with Xi Jinping of China, and they're taking that side. Allies of ours are starting to align with China and Russia because they don't trust us. Number one, these leaks reveal that we can't keep our trap shut and keep uh, national security secrets secret, but also reveals how weak we are. I don't know if you guys understand what will happen to this country if China takes over as the world superpower and the world reserve currency. <laughs> you don't have any clue what's going to happen. And I can tell you, our economy could literally implode. And you think uh, things are expensive now, try getting to the point where our inflation is so high, it's called hyperinflation, and you're paying 30 to $40 per loaf of bread, $25, $30 per gallon of milk. That's the kind of danger that we are facing if we lose our top position in the world as the world currency and as the world's strongest superpower. Think about that. Okay, now 
I want to talk really briefly about this Dylan Mulvaney getting endorsements for Bud Light, for Nike, for Olay, for Maybelline, for Tampex tampons. I'm sorry, what? And there is a video. Listen to Dylan Mulvaney. This is a man. Talk about how he's missed his period. Day 31 of being a girl, and I'm freaking out a little bit. I haven't gotten my period yet, okay? I'm late. And, I mean, I haven't kissed anyone in a while, but still, like, we know what happened to the Virgin Mary, okay? It's possible. (laughs) This is just an insane delusion. I'm going to tell you something that I believe. First of all, let me explain that the reason why I'm against Dylan Mulvaney getting all of these endorsements for women's products, especially tampons, excuse me, and the sports bra is like insane. Okay, Nike has made Dylan Mulvaney a flat-chested man their spokesperson for the sports bra. As far as I know, sports bras were invented to um, hold women's breasts while working out and running and different things like that so they won't bounce around and be painful. So they have Dylan Mulvaney in a sports bra and women are buying it, buying this are like, oh, cool. I want one of the, what? First, okay. Let me tell you what I think is really going on. You see, companies are being judged by what's called ESG, environmental social governance. That basically means that they almost have a score like the people in China do for social media and different things. They will monitor whether they are about equity or about the environment or about social issues, LGBTQIA plus minus divided sign, all that. So they have to do some of these endorsements to maintain a high ESG score. And they're judged by what's called CEI, which is Corporate Equity Index. So all corporations are judged by the CEI. And if they're not being environmentally friendly enough or um, socially conscious enough about issues, then they get downgraded. And they I don't know if they lose advertising money or what happens, but basically they're blackmarked and are not able to be as successful. So some companies will actually take a loss in revenue because they want to raise their ESG or CEI scores so they can get the endorsements from groups like LGBTQIASWPQRST or Black Lives Matter or, you know, different groups like that. And that's what they really want. They want to have, they want to appeal to everyone. And that's what ESG and CEI are. All right. Here's a few more words I have to say on the matter. I do not believe Dylan Mulvaney is a transsexual. I don't. I think he's a flamboyantly gay man, and you can see videos when he was still himself, like on Price is Right, where he's very, very flamboyantly gay. I believe he saw an opportunity 
to live out a fantasy of his and make a lot of money. And I believe that's what's happened. He is dressing up as a woman, but still has all man parts. And I've listened to psychiatrists talk about people that are genuinely afflicted with gender dysphoria. And they want to transition to that other sex or what people would see as the normal look of the other sex. So that's why the people that are truly transgendered or, or truly suffering from gender dysphoria get breast implants and cut off their beans and franks. And that if they don't have beans and franks, adding them on, you can see surgeries. I mean, they take skin off the thigh and they form it around. I mean, it's, it's horrific how horribly they disfigure people by enabling this mental illness. And I have said so many times, and please, if you agree or disagree with me, I want to hear from you. What do you think about this? I believe it's more compassionate to get them therapy, to help them live a normal life in the body that God made for them, rather than enabling this mental illness and have them live this delusional facade their entire life. And the funny thing is, is that it's not funny, but I mean, funny uh, against the odds is there's a lot of suicide with people that transition that aren't really inflicted with gender dysphoria. And like I said, I think this is trendy. I think this has become so trendy that people that are confused about what they're going through and have emotional and mental issues that need to be addressed and treated by professionals are being enabled and having to continue living with these mental issues and problems rather than get over them and live a normal life. I, I just don't understand why. Well, actually, I do understand, and it really upsets me because I know this is all on purpose. This is all on purpose to desensitize, demoralize, and confuse children and get them not to trust their parents anymore so the state can raise them as radical liberal activists. That's what they want. They want all these children to be indoctrinated, to be raised, to be radical activists for the whims of the elites that want everyone protesting about climate change and about uh, LGBTQIRST issues. And I, it's just, it's ridiculous to me that people don't see what's going on. I wish more people had their eyes open. I really do. I'm trying to do that with this podcast, and I, try, I hope you'll share this podcast with friends and relatives, because we all need to start paying attention to what's going on. Otherwise, in three, five, ten years, we're going to wake up and wonder, what the heck happened to our country? Where did it go? How are we all being ruled by China now? How is 50 or 60 percent of the population trans or LGBT or, you know, different things that used to be a small percentage that occurred naturally. Like I said, the trans 
the people that suffered from gender dysphoria represented 0.005. And now in Gen Z, it's over 7%. Over 7%. That's one, two, three, four, five decimal points from what it was. That's just insane. And it's social media and the radical influencers like Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney really is kind of harmless because he acts like a tiny little girl and la-di-da-di-da. There's another one. His last name is Marsh. He is very dangerous because what he says is you shouldn't trust your parents and that he will be their parent. If they meet him on Patreon and pay money, he'll listen to their problems and he'll help them and he'll be their parent, the parent that will accept them for who they are, no matter how deranged that is. That, my friends, is evil. I don't know if you agree or not. If you do, let me know. Drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. Okay, the positive note I want to leave you with today is you need to start writing down your goals. And journaling is a very, very effective way of keeping all of your thoughts together and working through issues you may have or achieving goals. When you write out goals, write out long distance goals like five, 10 years from now or the end of your life, and then break it down in smaller bits. Like what do you, what do you want to accomplish 10 years from now? And, uh, What do you want to accomplish five years from now and then three years and one year and six months and make a very specific and write those goals in present tense. Like it is December 31st, 2035, and I have accomplished this and I am so excited. My wife and I or my friends and I are all going on this to celebrate and to do this to celebrate and I'm so excited. Write things out like that. Write them in the present tense because it puts it in your mind and your mind doesn't know the difference between real and imaginary and doesn't know the difference between tenses. Like if it's happening now or if it's happening, if you're waiting to happen for it for the future, you'll always be waiting for it. But if you already think it's happened and you're treating it like it's happening live, it's going to make a huge difference. All right. And a couple of really quick quotes. An unwritten goal is a wish. And if you fail to plan, (laughs) you plan to fail. So those are two very, very important things. Plan out everything you want to accomplish. Write it out specifically in amazing detail and feel the emotions when you read it like it's already there. You already are holding those things in your hand. You're already driving that car. You're already living in that house. You've already got that beautiful wife or or husband. All these things you want, write them down in the present as if they're already happening and they will happen much faster than if you say, someday, I hope this will happen. Well, someday it'll never happen because someday is not specific enough. So make your goals specific, and I promise many of them will come true. All right, we've ran a little long today, but I just wanted to share that with you. Until next time, create an amazing day. 